God's doing something miraculous in us, isn't he? Something special. We need to believe him, don't we? You know, this whole entire thing that we, (laughs) this whole entire thing we call Christianity is believing God, isn't it? In fact, we're going to get into that today. We're going to get into uh, some deep things. I think I'm just going to read the surface of the word, but within it is very deep, and uh, we're just going to let the Lord preach his own sermon. Amen. We just thank you, Lord. So I'm going to go right into it because I have a whole bunch of scripture, and uh, whatever I get to, we'll get to uh, today, and we'll get to the next, uh, next week if we have to, but let's go right into this. The Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 5, and this is part 2, this is in God's hands. Everybody say, I'm in God's hands. We need to understand this concept. In fact, God will make you understand. The moment you say, Lord, I want to follow you, the Lord says, okay. You know, I want to say that's a dangerous prayer you're praying. It's a good dangerous, but the Lord's like, okay. You want to know me? You're going to know me. (laughs) You want to follow me? I'll take you somewhere. I'm going to take you, but there is a cost to that path. It's a good cost. Everybody say, it's a good cost. Everything it costs us to follow Christ is worth it. Amen. It's nothing, the Bible says, in comparison to the glory we will share with him. So it says in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, you can go back and listen to the last sermon. I'm going to really try to not just recap, but I want to build here uh, for time. But go back and listen to last week and let it build. But I'm going to read this. We read this last week. Romans 5, verse 3 says, we can rejoice. Everybody say, I'm rejoicing. What are we rejoicing about? We're rejoicing, yes, God's good, salvation, praise God. We're also rejoicing, why? Verse 3, we can rejoice too when, everybody say, I'm rejoicing when I'm in problems and trials. I didn't hear that as much, I didn't hear as much faith in that. Let's, let's put some, let's put just as much faith in that as in the joy. Amen. I'm rejoicing. Come on, church, together. In my trial. I want to show you today, I want to preach to you today that there is a victory that you get when you embrace the trial that the Lord is putting you in on purpose. And I want you to see it's going to, we're going to see it scripturally, that it's on purpose, it's by design, and it's for my good. Everybody say it's for, point to yourself, it's for my good. You're going to see that it's not just for his glory. Yes, everything's for his glory, but he does it for your own good. It says, for we know that they, what is they, the problems and the trials, they help us develop endurance, or your translation might say perseverance, and we looked at those definitions last week. And verse 4 says, and endurance or perseverance, it develops strength of character. And it says that character strengthens our confident hope of salvation. So I want you to see this circular thing that God's doing. You know, the devil tries to get you trapped in a loop, doesn't he? We have these terms, right? I'm just like stuck in a rut. I'm trapped in a loop. He wants you to get trapped. You know, he, this is what he does. He convinces you to not trust God, convinces you to sin, then he condemns you for doing it. 
And then what do you do? Just runs you right back into more, you know, less trust in God, more sin. And then he condemns you for doing it. The Lord wants to put you into a rotation that's going to build your character to give you strength. And ultimately, when it's all done, when you come around full circuit, going around again, you're going to notice your salvation is stronger. At first, we don't even know what we believe, right? Lord, I just believe you. You don't really know what you're repenting of and what you're really... Who really understood what it meant to repent at the cross and to say, come into my heart, come into my life, or whatever the words were you prayed, Lord, I want to follow you. Maybe you had an, uh, an understanding for the moment, but who really understood like you do today? If you've been following the Lord for more than one day, <laughs> then it should be a greater revelation than it was then. You don't even understand the depth of your sin for like 20 years, maybe 50 years, when you look back and you see who he delivered and who he loved and who he gave grace to. And so we see in that gap of time, whatever that 20, 40, 50 years is, what's going on in that time. You're going through stuff. And what's happening while you're going through stuff? You're learning to trust God. And what's happening? Your salvation is becoming more and more and more real. It was already set in Christ, but it's becoming more real for who? For you. You're not as easily swayed. Who finds that the little tiny things that swayed you in the beginning don't sway you anymore? And that's the Lord's process on purpose. Aren't we thankful for the Lord to be, that he didn't just say, you know, you're on the earth, that's your problem, fine. I'll die for you, you can come to heaven. But that's not where he left us, is it? I'll stand with you every step of the way. Amen. First Peter chapter 1, again, reviewing here, but I'm just picking out the pieces. We read through a lot more in Romans. If you want to go read that in your own time, or go and listen. We really got into that, but I just want to keep moving here. First Peter chapter 1. It says the same thing, some different words, but the same concept. He says, verse 6, 1 Peter 1, verse 6. Everybody say, I'm truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for a little while. I began to meditate on this as I was putting together part two, and I thought, wow, Lord, you're still speaking to us what you spoke to us for January 1st, right? Remember January 1st, 2023? He said 23 for 23, and that was Psalm 23 the Lord was speaking. And what is that? Psalm 23, verse 3, you don't have to put it up there, but he's leading us, amen. He's leading us. Everybody believe he's leading us. Well, then it says, verse 4, even though I'm in a dark valley right now, this is my translation, but you're in a dark place, right? The valley of the shadow of death. It says, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. So what's the Lord saying? The Lord, we believe he's leading us, but then where does he lead us? You can't, if I'm in a dark place, did, is the Lord no longer leading me? We love giving glory to the Lord on the mountaintops. And we love cursing God in the valleys. As soon as anything bad happens, that's why the Lord allows it. Because at first you're like, man, 
God, you failed me. He's not offended. Jeannie thinks it's funny when I say God's not offended. <laughs> He's not offended because he knows who you are. But you know what he does? He allows you to go through it again and again and again and again. I can keep going. Who wants me to keep going? Or let's just, just tell me stop. You get into that place again, and you know what happens? Lord, I don't understand, but I trust you. The next time you're coming through it, here we go again. I don't know how you're going to do it this time, but I'm confident that you did it last time. Amen. And that's what the word is. That's what he's doing. And what happens? You're seeing that there's a strength of character. He doesn't want little baby Christians. God wants mature Christians. In fact, do you know what his picture of a mature Christian is? You guys know it's not confusing. There's no trick question. It's not my opinion. The word defines it. The full stature of Christ, the image of Christ. The Lord will keep refining your character until it looks not similar, not just like, but will be the image of Christ. Amen. Who thinks that they've arrived so far? Anybody willing to raise your hand and say, I've arrived, I've, got, I've become the image of Christ? Then guess what? The Lord is still doing work in us. Amen. We think that the Lord just does work in us in our prayer time. No, that's just preparation for the battle. Prayer time is just you putting your armor on. You know, put your helmet on, put your sword on, get in the word, praise and worship, come out of the room, Brah! and everybody's confused. They think their prayer didn't work. No. Praise God that you went in that place and did that. You think the devil's attacking you because you prayed. No. The devil's going to attack you no matter what. It's only because of your armor that you're even aware because the, the thing about you putting his armor on that you don't even realize is that it doesn't say it in those words, but you're putting on eyes to see. And now you've become aware of his attacks. Before that, you would have just been like, man, that person is in that type of mood. And I must be in this type of mood. And you just think it's flesh. But we don't war against flesh and blood. I'm getting armored up so that I can endure. We're getting ahead of ourselves, but I was going to tell you right now. It says in Ephesians chapter 6, right? We love that. We love putting on our armor. And you know what it tells us to do? It says, after you've done all that you can do to stand, stand. Once I've done everything I can do to stand, then what, I, what, am I, what do I have to do? I have to stand. As I've been meditating for these sermons, and it's not just sermons, it's because the Lord was really putting me through some personal reminders again and then started getting confirmed throughout the church that we need to just remember Christianity is much more about endurance than it is deliverance. The final miracle, the final deliverance, the promised land, crossing over into heaven, that's easy. It's the endurance, the hard part. Everybody loves the finish line. No one wants to run the race. You know, they're coming up with like half Ks now because everybody's a winner. Listen, <laughs> they're 5K for a reason. It's supposed to be kind of hard. You know, then there's people that go crazy. You know, they do the, I think, I saw a bumper sticker that said 120, 
120 something K. There's always going to be somebody that can do it better than you. So it's not a comparison game. That's not my point. But everybody in this room needs to endure. Every single one of us is called to endure. It's not God trying to punish you. It's not God watching you squirm and suffer. It is the enemy. It's this fallen world. It's this flesh nature, this curse that you're in, okay? Let's just acknowledge what it is. But God allows those things to touch you, to come around you, to, inf to basically influence your situation so that you make the choice, I'm going to trust God. I'm going to believe God. Let's get into his word. Amen. Because I'm going to just keep preaching, and I have a lot of scripture here. I mean, we're going to keep preaching, but I just want to, I want you to hear the verses for themselves. It says, verse 7, 1 Peter 1, they show, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. Who wants genuine faith? Who believes that God knows best? Anybody want to buck against his word? If his word says that the trials show me that I've got, my faith is genuine, then Lord, praise God, Lord. I'm not going to fight it. Guess what? I can't fight God. I told you last week, just like gold's purified, you want to fight God? God's like, fine, I'm just going to heat up the fire hotter. You want to resist me? That's fine. I love you so much that I'll allow you to go through more to get the junk out of you. Come on, he's not leaving you there. He wants that junk out of you. Because who said junk hurting? It's hurting you, and it's hurting your children. It's hurting your friends, your family, your coworkers. It's not just you, but it's, it is hurting. It's not hurting God. It's hurting God's second because he loves us, so it hurts him just like you don't want to see anyone suffer. We don't want to see our children suffer, so it hurts him that way, but it's hurting you. It's hurting people. Amen. Let's move on. 1 Peter chapter 4. We didn't get to this, so we're, we're moving into the next level here. 1 Peter chapter 4, in fact, tells us, Dear friends, I love how Peter's like, listen, you know, you know you're my friend, right? Like I said last week, you know, Peter's buttering you up. Hey, friends, dear friends, we're friends, right? I'm about to tell you something you don't want to hear. So, for friends, we're close, right? You, you trust me. Dear friends, don't be surprised. I've told you before, when people get saved, I think they should leave with disclosures. You know, you can't do anything in this earth without signing a waiver. I think when you get saved, you should have to sign a waiver. I'm taking all the weight, pressures and weight off of God. I'm not going to blame God for everything that happens to me. I certainly blamed him plenty already. I'm going to let God do what he needs to do in me because I know he knows best because, again, he's God. I'm like smaller than the atom, A-T-O-M. I'm Adam, but I'm also smaller than an atom. And big, giant, crazy, like just unimaginable for our minds to even fathom God calls us friends. I think he knows better. He says, don't be surprised. What happens every single time we run into a trial? I'm always caught by surprise. I'm just being honest. I'm always surprised. When I'm in it, and this is what we're going to talk about today, I'm not going to leave you there. I'm going to tell you what we can do to go through it, to endure it. But in the beginning, I'm always surprised because I wasn't 
I just wasn't anticipating this at this exact moment. He says, don't be surprised at the fiery trials. I love how he's got to put an adjective there, as if trials wasn't hard enough. At the fiery trials, because remember, he's referencing chapter 1, 2. He's writing a letter. He's not writing chapter and verse. He's just like, hey, remember I told you, God's going to purify you like fire, like gold and silver. So don't be surprised when he does it, because he said, as if something strange were happening to you. You know what's strange? A Christian that doesn't ever have trials. That's strange. In fact, listen, I don't want, really want to go there. I'll just make a statement. I'm going to leave it there for you to think about. The Bible says, I mean, Jesus said it, not me. Jesus said, if they persecute you, it's because you're a follower of me. And the word says very clearly that the world will love its own. Man, those that, those that are of the devil, you're not going to see them have much fight. They're the ones everybody just loves and everybody's following. And we'll leave it there. Don't be surprised as if something strange were happening to you. Verse 13, instead, come on, guys. There's a key here. We're going to grab a key. Who wants to grab a key? Who wants to go through the next trial suffering again? I want to go through a trial in joy. Come on. I'm so happy I'm in this trial. Listen, it's okay if you're lying. Again, God's not offended at first. Because your flesh needs to catch up with your spirit. Your spirit always wants to do the right thing, amen? Because Jesus said that. The spirit's willing, the flesh is weak. I'll just lie. I'm happy right now. Only for a moment. I'm not going to stay there, am I? I'm just going to keep saying it until this, let's just call it what it is, this dumb flesh. It's dumb because, you know, it's, it's just clay. But I have the mind of Christ, praise God. So while this dumb clay gets in line with the mind of Christ, amen, then I'm just going to keep telling that dumb clay, you're happy, you're in joy, this is fine, this is good, I, I'm, not, I'm fine, I'm trusting God. And then it starts to become real, doesn't it? As you keep, because you know you're like, I can do this for like six hours. I can endure this for like six hours, eight hours, eight days, eight years. What happens? One of two things have happened. Either you've gotten incredibly bitter and you've walked away from the Lord, or now it's real. Now when you say it, you mean it. It becomes real. Why? Because you either have two choices. You know, you're in the ocean. It's either just give up and drown or just keep swimming. And you know what's amazing is uh, they find with the human body, right, all the special forces of the world, all the elites of the world that your mind gives up at like, what, 15 or 20% of what your body's actually capable of? Your mind is already checked out. We're not listening to our human mind. We're just going to keep trusting God. That mind of Christ needs to click in, and we're just going to leave that there just for time. It says, be very glad for these trials make you partners with Christ. Who wants to be a partner with Christ? My word says that Jesus comes in yokes with me. 
He says that the burden is easy, right? The yoke is easy. The burden is light. Is Christ contradicting Peter? Of course not. The partnership with Christ is easy. The burden is light because when I get into that trial, Jesus, and this is the whole point of today's sermon, it is the whole point of what I'm about to speak to you is this. That I have to realize that I am powerless in myself. That I have no strength in me. And that to be a real believer, the Lord will let you hit rock bottom on purpose. And if you haven't hit it yet, I promise if you're truly pursuing Christ, you will. Why? So that I have no choice but to rely on Christ which is all that matters. And then guess what? It gets easy. The burden's light. Because you're like, I'm not going to carry it anymore. I'm just not going to carry this burden anymore. It's not my burden. Isn't Who's had that revelation in areas of your life? Trying to do it, trying to go through it, and you're getting dragged through this trial, and then one day you just like, Lord, my times are in your hands. The problem is we expect God to be done with the trial instantly. We expect everything to be instantaneous. And yes, Jesus did so many miracles very quickly in the New Testament. But if you read through the everyday life of Old Testament and New Testament characters, if you actually read through their stories, you're going to find that they had to learn to rely on the Lord every day. I want you to look with me at the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 8, verse 2. Who's getting anything out of this already? God's speaking to us. He's allowing trials to purify us because they make our bond. Everybody say our bond. What's a bond, right? This thing that unifies us. The things we go through when we learn to trust in him and we just keep trusting in him and keep trusting in him and he keeps giving you strength and you keep trusting in him we get into this this cycle this healthy cycle of of just more and more of his love more and more of his grace more and more of his mercy and we're giving him more and more praise our joy is increasing and then then the trial that was so unbearable before is getting easier and then we're going to so now we're going to go into another trial that's a little bit harder but he's got already prepped us in that season for the next season praise god we're going to see today that god allows the trial the wilderness the hunger the thirst so that we would cry out to him and learn to trust him deuteronomy chapter 8 verse 2 this is not my opinion it says here very clearly deuteronomy 8 verse 2 He says, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness. Now, if you've been reading along with our church, you know, I was just thinking this morning, how many years have we been doing the Bible reading as a church, Dawn? Three, four, five, somewhere around there. So if you have actually, you know, a lot of people have never read through the Bible in their life. Dawn and I are shocked sometimes when we hear just some things that, how people don't know some basics, just, just really basics, just basic stuff. Noah, 
So like just some basic characters. I'm not talking deep Christianity. I'm just mean some basic characters. But if you've been in this church and you've been doing our Bible reading plan, it's very simple. It's really just a few minutes every day. Then you've already read through the entire Bible, what, four or five times. I think that's amazing. I'm just, just, just it's a quick side note, but I was just thinking this amazing as a church that we've been reading through the entire Bible together every year. And I just want to just testify to the Lord uh, for that, that he's doing that in us. Call, called us to do that. You know, I only have so much time on a Sunday, but that every single day we're all reading together and commenting together. Praise God. But the Bible says here, uh, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness. And the reason I was saying that is we're just reading this. That's what made me think of that, is we just went through. We've been just read through, the, we've been reading through the wilderness, and we're reading through what they're going through. So it should be fresh. But the Bible says here, remember how the Lord your God led you through the wilderness for these 40 years, humbling you and testing you to prove your character and to find out whether or not you would obey his commands. What does your Bible say? Does your Bible say the same thing mine does? Maybe some different words for translation, but I, I went through and I even, even started to look at other translations to see, is the Lord saying anything different here? No. He, there's one common theme that no matter what the translation is, the point was to humble you and test you. The Lord purposefully Remember the story. He rescued them from Egypt. What is Egypt? You know, you all have an Egypt. Egypt is your old life. You were enslaved. Who was a slave to this world before? Who was slave to your old, your old man's impulses, right? And the Lord rescued us. And then we just think, man, I've been rescued. Praise God. Going straight to the promised land. Doesn't work that way, does it? Who's learned that? Who's learned it the hard way? Praise God once we learn to just get in line with the way the Lord does things, and then we just begin to appreciate every single season. You begin to appreciate the mountaintops even more. And I want to, just in these next few minutes, I hope we get that, that when you get back up on the mountaintop, he's about to warn them. You know what happens? This is just human nature. It's just human nature. I think most Christians praise God about midway. We curse him down in the valleys. We praise him midway. We get up to the peak, and we're like, okay, that's good. I've praised you plenty. I'm going to do my own thing for a little while. Till we start riding back down, we get midway again. Well, where am I going? What's happening? We begin to seek him and search for him again till we hit bottom, and now he thinks we think he's abandoned us again. And then we just begin to appreciate that cycle. We just say, Lord... Paul said, Paul said, I've learned to abound and I've learned to abase. Sometimes I have everything I need and I, sometimes I don't have anything, but I've learned in every single season that God didn't fail me. His grace was always there. His mercy's there. His love was there. And I begin to crave whatever it took to have the presence of God. So the Bible says that God does it on purpose so that we would be humbled. Who knows, that's the really, to be humble is so important. And for what we're about to read, verse 3, he humbled you, 
We don't even have to assume. The Lord actually tells us clearly. I love this chapter because he literally just tells us completely clear, just clear. We don't have to wonder, what was all that wilderness about? Who's ever come out of a season and you say, Lord, what was that about? What was all that about? I'll tell you right now. Does anybody want the answer to your wilderness? He says, he humbled you by letting you go hungry. Wow. God let you go hungry? God let you need. Come on, just, I want you to fill in the blank. God let me have need for him. I thought I knew love. I thought I knew what it was to have everything in this earth. Paul calls them trash, calls it dung. There's even everything, everything in this earth, anything that I think I gained in all my human wisdom. Right, Rick? We just talked about this. I, I, sorry, Rick. I bring him up a lot. But I do love what God's doing in his life. He was just telling me the other day, <laughs> this is good. That he's embarrassed at the wisdom he thought he had before Christ, but he thought he was wise. I'm not embarrassing you, right? This is good embarrassment. He would, you know, why don't you just come tell him yourself? Okay, so I'll do it. Then I get to do it. But he was just like, you know, I thought I was, I thought I was giving such good advice in these relationship areas. And now he said, when I look back, it's so foolish. Who's been there? Come on, we all. Come on. Praise God. And that's because <laughs> we hadn't been humbled yet. God hadn't let us get to the place where we're truly hungry yet. And why does he do it? Because otherwise, we still think that we've got it figured out. Wow. Isn't you guys seeing what I'm, what I'm trying to get here? In order for you to get to the place where you realize I don't know it all, I don't have it figured out, he must let you not have it all. He'll let times of confusion, times of frustration, times of hurt, times where you have to choose to be bitter or to trust God. He allows it on purpose because then he says, when I, don't think I'm going to abandon you there. I'm going to come through in such a miraculous way that there's no explanation except God. That's what manna is. They're, they couldn't have been like, well, maybe Moses is sneaking out there and like, you know, hydro-seeding the, the ground every night. Enough to fill multi-million person, you know, group of people. I don't think so. Who has, had, who has seen God do that? He doesn't abandon you, but sometimes he allows you to get to such a dark place, such a frustrated place, place in your hurt, so that then when he shows himself, come on, it's amazing. You're like, man, I really wish it wasn't this way. I wish I didn't have to go through this to get to this place, but who is when they got to that place in God where he showed up in a miraculous way and delivers you? You're like, I don't want to say that, I w that I'm glad that I went through it, but I think I have to testify that I'm thankful that I went through what I went through because I got to this place in the Lord. Later on in your life, then you'll be testifying with it. You'll be testifying about it with joy. You're like, man, I had the worst season. You can't even imagine how bad it was. And you're smiling. People are like, what? 
That's why you got to go to Jeannie. When you lose your job, just go to her. She's going to say, praise God. I'm so happy you lost your job. You guys are all laughing because you guys have all heard it. <laughs> because God's about to do something then, isn't he? Is God, does God fail us? Has God abandoned us? Of course he hasn't. He said, I let you go hungry, but then I fed you with manna. He did it, it says, to teach you. You know that God's still teaching us? God wants to teach us. You know what God hates is an unteachable spirit. We need to be, we need to be so willing to listen. And when we think we know, the Bible says, beware, lest you fall. There's some King James for you. He did it to teach you that people do not live by bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. What is that principle? What is that principle? Well, we know that Jesus quotes the exact same verse to Satan when he was tempted in the exact same scenario in the wilderness. So what was this all about? The Bible says that Jesus was led, come on, who knows your word, by the Holy Spirit, where? Matthew 4, into the wilderness. God led Jesus into the wilderness. And then don't worry, you know, he had everything he needed. The Lord gave him a Chinese buffet. Everything he needed. The Bible says that Jesus became hungry. Even Jesus, the Son of God, was led to a place where he had need. Everybody say, I have need. It's mental, it's physical, it's spiritual. And it's on purpose. Why? We have an, we have an old saying, a God-shaped hole. We all say it as Christians, and then we're surprised when God wants to fill it. We're surprised. We say, oh, it's a God-shaped hole. Like, But I don't like this hole. Let me just try to cover it up. Well, Satan says, it's easy. I got a solution for you. You don't need to go through all this suffering. Why suffer? Just turn these stones into bread. It's simple. And you know what Jesus responded to him? He responded. He quoted Deuteronomy 8. He quoted, We don't live by bread alone. I, even the Son of God, here on the earth, for this season I'm on the earth, my sustenance comes from the Lord. And specifically, what is the word of the Lord? Every word. We just, come on, we worshiped this. We just worshiped this during worship. What is the key here? What is, the, what is Jesus testifying about? Do you know how many Psalms and Proverbs and prophecies that God had given at this point when Jesus is walking on the earth. You know what Jesus is saying in a nutshell? God has said in so many ways that I don't have time to tell you, Satan, that he's faithful. He has proven himself so many times. 
He has promised that he will never leave us and never forsake us. And that, to me, is greater food than just a quick fix on this flesh. I could get out of this situation really quick by just Googling my answers. I could get out of this situation really quick by just doing the sin that the devil's telling me to do. Or I can trust that God has a purpose and a reason for this season. And when we get through it, what do we have? You know what happened? It's not, a, it's not shouldn't be surprised. What does the Bible say happens after Matthew chapter 4? The chapter's not even over. What happens? What did Jesus do? He began his ministry. In order for the Lord to use you for his kingdom, he must get the you out of you. And how does he do it? By letting you go through stuff. And then we get stronger. And then there's some more you. Because now you're like doing things for the Lord. God's using you. So maybe a little bit of you comes up. Do you know what the Lord does? Take you into a little bit of wilderness again. It doesn't have to be 40 days or 40 years. I like 40-minute wildernesses. Just letting you know, Lord. 40 minutes, suffer, and then, you know, I'm good. I believe you. Lord, I'll praise the Lord God. Okay, we're good. You know what the Bible says? And we'll just get, we'll get into more of this next week, but... I can't believe the confirmations that this is what the Lord wanted to say these weeks. Just unbelievable. But he goes on to just, just, just quickly, you guys can read it in your own time, the rest of the chapter. But basically, verse 10, when, you know, breakthrough comes, he's like, he says, there's going to come a time. Well, first of all, he testifies, listen, verse 4, what I just said that Jesus was testifying. Let's just read verse 4, because it's the same thing Jesus was saying to Satan. All these years... I didn't fail you. Your clothes didn't wear out. Your feet didn't blister or swell. It's an old Christian saying, but it should be said again. Why would God leave, lead you this far to leave you? Why would he lead you this far to suddenly leave you now? But we're all surprised when we get into a situation we think that God has left us. No, God is teaching us to trust him. That's how we learn to trust him when it seems and feels like his presence is pulling back or the situation is getting harder or we're not getting the answer, that's the time that we really believe him. And then he says, verse 5, a parent disciplines a child. Basically, wouldn't isn't it right that the Lord would discipline you for your own good? He goes on, verse 10, he says, you know, there's going to come a time in your life where you're going to be back on the mountaintop. It's going to come a time you're going to get your breakthrough. Amen. Who? Come on, let's just, I'm believing for my breakthrough. Who's believing for your breakthroughs? And the Lord tells you, there's going to come a time where you're going to have your breakthrough. Amen. Praise God. And when you get there, he says, verse 11, but that is the time to be careful. We're going to start to see why the wildernesses are so hard sometimes as we get into this in the next weeks. But I'm going to tell you right now as I'm closing, I, I allowed it to be hard because I was preparing you for the next season. Sometimes it's wilderness after wilderness after wilderness, it seems. It's just you going deeper. You could look at Joseph. You look at David. Look at Moses. Look at Abraham. I mean, 
well, I mean, you could just keep going on and on. All the prophets, and then we're then that's why Peter's like, I don't know why you're confused. I don't know why you're surprised. Every man of God that's ever followed him or woman of God has had to go through this. He says, but I'm doing it because suddenly your breakthrough comes, and he says, beware in your plenty that you don't forget and start disobeying the Lord because you just we just get it becomes easy. We get flippant. Come on, we've all, we've all, that's what I'm saying. It's more like a midway, seek the Lord. Mountaintops, we lose them. Valleys, you know, <laughs> we're cursing or crying out to him. For when you have become prosperous, you've built homes and everything you need. Be careful, verse 13 says, verse 14, do not become proud at that time. What's the opposite of proud? Humble. What did the Lord say he does to us? Why does he allow it? Come on, this is, I love, the, don't you love, I, you know, the world says the Bible's confusing. Even Christians sometimes say, I don't understand it. It's so clear. He literally tells us why. I love, he doesn't have to give us an answer, but it says he humbled you because at that time the temptation will be to be proud. And what does it say? And forget the Lord. Who knows? That's exactly what happened. We're going to look at that. We're going to have to look at it next week. Why? Because they wouldn't submit to the process. They never did. You'll find as you look, do your own study, look, they never truly submitted to the process, and that's why what he warned them about becoming proud happened. Come on, it's still happening today, right? God gives all these, gives all these gifts and abilities, and then the person thinks it's them, it's their name, and what happens? The great fall. But basically, he, again, just, just very quickly, he says, don't forget, I, I led you through the wilderness, the dry, sna- the, the, dry the snakes, all of it. You had water when, I, when, you, when you were thirsty. I fed you water from the rock. Uh, I gave you manna in the wilderness, a food unknown to your ancestors. Verse 16, he did this to humble you and test you. What's that say? For who's good? It's his glory. But who's good? You know, when we hijack his process in the wilderness, who's good are you messing up? Your own. Wow. Who's in a tough place? Just, you know, in anything. Maybe you're just believing for another believer. You know, that's still, that's a wilderness place too. You're believing for someone to come into Christ. That's a place of grieving and travailing for that person. The Lord's going to get you through it. What it's doing is it's causing you if you didn't feel it, then you wouldn't pray, right? If we didn't ever have any issues, then why would we ever pray to him? You'd say, oh, I would do it anyway. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. He did this to humble you, he says, verse 17, he did this so you would never say to yourself that I did it. I've achieved this wealth with my own strength and energy. It was me, look at me. So he does it so that we don't do this. Remember that the Lord your God is the one who gives you power to be successful in order to fulfill the covenant he confirmed to your ancestors with an oath. The Bible says God wants to confirm it in your life, but he wants you to get to the place where you realize that when he confirmed it in your life, that it was through his power, his strength, not 
your own. And when you get to that place, you no longer have worldly desires, worldly needs. You become like Christ. And everything gets easy. I don't like to say that word in this earth. Amen. Praise God. We just thank you, Lord, for this word. I thank you, Lord, that it's life. There's such life here within your word. And I just pray you'd put it down deep within us, God. Let this become, Lord, a a tree of life within us. Let this seed grow and be, Lord God, something that we can eat off of, Lord, something that others can eat off of, a truth, Lord, that becomes a knowing in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God.